Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Let me just say this is what we are continuing and wrapping up this series called Being Rich. And if you've uh, missed any of the things that we've gone over, let me just give you a really, really quick review. Uh, Let me just tell you first, we decided uh, that at the beginning of this series, there is good news and bad news about being rich. The good news is that we are, yeah, right, we're rich and that God has blessed us abundantly. We are rich. Uh, If you make more than $33,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. So big picture, we are rich and God has blessed us. The bad news is that we are? Yeah, that's the bad news because what happens? Well, when we're rich, we have a tendency to depend on our money uh, to help us and and we we lean on that and have difficulty depending on God. We have rich people distractions which take us away from our priorities in life, the things that are most important to us, and so we're distracted. And then because we're rich, we actually have a greater responsibility. God says to whom much has been given, much is required. And so there's good news and bad news about being rich. And then we covered the second week. We looked at the deceitfulness of riches and how if you love money, then you'll never really feel like you have enough money. And that those people who have uh, are deceived or are in love with money have difficulty giving big. And they may have money in the bank, but they have no peace in their hearts. And then, of course, we looked at a couple weeks ago that because we have more, that we have a responsibility to give more. And then the following week, we looked at, at being rich in good deeds, which we said because we have more, we can do more. And this week what I'd like to do is just kind of wrap up this series with a few more thoughts about being rich and what matters most. And the first thought, if you're taking notes, that I want you to, to just to think about is that what you do with your money and time reveals what you value in your heart. What you do with your money and time reveals what you value in your heart. When we look at scripture, we see that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Basically, what he's saying is if you want to know what you care about, the, care about the most in life, all you have to do is follow the money. I could look at your check register. How many of you guys still keep a check ledger, right? <laughs> okay, how about this? I could look at your bank statement. How many of you guys just look at your bank statements, right? Yeah, so you can tell where your money been. How many of you guys don't even look at all? You don't want to look. It's just too depressing. You don't want to do it. I got you. All right. But by looking at your bank statement, I could tell you what you value most in your life. Just have to follow the money. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In the same way as as looking at your bank statement, I could tell you where your heart is. I can also tell you where your heart is based on looking at your calendar. Because you prioritize your life by your calendar. When something makes it onto your calendar, you said, this is more important than anything else that I can do this day at this time. So what is a priority to you is revealed there. So the question for you that I want you to think about, and we're not really going to explore much, but I want to kind of just drop this on you. And maybe if you guys are still meeting with, in your grow groups, uh, grow groups should have wrapped up a couple weeks ago, but I know some of, the, some of the groups are continuing on closer to the holidays. And if you're continuing that, or maybe you just have fellowship with another Christian this week, or maybe just for you to sit and think about it, really to be to really contemplate and ask is this question. What does the way you spend your money 
and your time say that you value most? What does the way that you spend your time and money say that you value most? What would that answer be for you? Now, as we continue today, we've already identified throughout this series that we are rich and that we need to be careful to be rich in what matters most and in the right ways because it's really easy to be rich in the wrong ways we've already discussed. And so as we look at how not to be rich or how to not be rich in the wrong way, we have to look at what Jesus said in the story that he told. It's a parable found in Luke 12, verses 16 through 19. He says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, right? So the man was rich. He had an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? He's got so much that he's like, what am I going to do? How am I going to live the rest of my life? How am I going to spend my time from here on out? He says, I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. So the guy basically, if you understand, if you're tracking with the story, he's already rich. He gets such an abundant harvest that he does not have room to contain it. He doesn't have barns big enough to hold the harvest that year that he got. And so he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now the mistake that the man made was that he believed that what he had acquired was for himself. Instead of looking at his surplus, instead of looking at at his abundance and deciding to give it away, he made a mistake and said, this is for me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my existing barns, build bigger ones, and I'm going to keep it all for myself, and I'm going to have an easy life from here on out. He believed that everything God gave him was for him. Now, as we continue in verse 20, it says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. See, we have to consider this. God wasn't angry with the man because he was rich. No, the Bible tells us that God gives us riches, and he gives us the ability to gain wealth, and he's not mad at us because we have it. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to enjoy his blessings in our life. But God called him a fool because he didn't know how to be rich. The guy didn't know how to be rich in what mattered most. He was rich in the wrong way. He was rich towards himself, but not rich towards God. So as we look at how do, how do we do this, the good news is, is there is a way to be rich towards God. And, uh, and I, I want to jump back to our verse that we've been looking at week after week after week because there's something very, very important here. And if you've missed these past couple weeks, this is a verse from 1 Timothy 6, 17 that we've based this entire series on. And this is Paul speaking to his student, Timothy, who is pastoring a church that is, is, is um, it's a significant church. It's an influential church. And so he's saying to him, and he says, starts in verse 17, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything, with everything for our enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy what he's given us. Then in verse 18, it says, command them to do good. Notice this is a really powerful word. This is not suggest to them. This is not encourage them. This is not, you know, tell them, hey, this is a good idea. He said, command them. He's, He's speaking to the spiritual authority that Timothy has to his church. He's like, hey, tell them that this is the way it has to be. 
Tell them that this is the way. And there, he gives a reason for it at the end. But he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may hold or take hold of the life that is truly life. It's almost as if Paul, looking at, at a congregation or looking at those who are rich, knew that there was a counterfeit life that we could be living out. It's almost as if he knew that. He's saying, look, it's, it's cool that you've said yes to Jesus. It's cool that you got baptized. It's cool that you come to church, but, but you're still living a counterfeit life. You've not taken hold of the real life. This is why they needed to be commanded to live this way, to follow Jesus in this way, and that when they did, they would take hold of the real life. Why? Because saying yes to Jesus is only the beginning. Being a follower of Jesus is a series of yeses that starts with saying yes to being baptized, and then it means yes to getting into fellowship and coming to church, but that's not it. That's not where it stops because, you know, even the devil comes to church. Come on, somebody. Some of you all know what I'm talking about. You were fighting with your spouse on the way over here. The devil's in your car the whole time, just, just causing you all to fight at each other, right? Some of you are looking at each other right now going, oh, is that what that was? Mm-hmm. That's none of my business, though. It's not about coming to church. It's about following Jesus the rest of the way. It's about following Jesus in a way where you surrender your life. Because, man, we've been looking the last couple weeks, we've been talking about some difficult stuff. We've been talking about things that you're going to look at and you want to say yes to Jesus, but you know it's going to cost you something. You want to say yes to good deeds, but you know that it's going to be an inconvenience to you. You know that your back might be sore, that it might take up some time in your calendar where you were going to play a video game or watch a football game. or You know that it's going to cost you something to say yes to Jesus, and that's what this call is, to follow him and continue to say yes all of the way as he commands us and as he leads us. So living the real life comes... When we learn to follow Jesus in every area of our lives, and when we are rich in what matters most. So as we've gone through this series, we've been building a statement for our lives, and this, this statement is supposed to be a guide for us that as we live our lives, we need to look at this and say, am I living this way? Because these are how the scriptures are guiding us. So if you've missed it, let me put it up on the screen, and then I'll read it once, and then we'll read it together. It says, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. So let's read that together. Let's start it over. And everybody, here we go. One, two, three. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. That's right. We have to take all that we've learned over this entire series, and what I'm going to do with the rest of our time is kind of bring it to a laser focus, and I mean like a, a focus that brings it right here home to Simple Church and how, how these things can play out here. Because there are three very significant and important ways to be rich towards God. And we've talked about some of these already. The very first way, if you're taking notes, the way God wants you to be rich and to be rich towards him is God wants you to be rich in good deeds. And we, we spent time talking about this at length. And again, if you missed it, 1 Timothy 6, 18. Command them to do good and be rich in good deeds. 
Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it seems like, I, I, I can't even put my finger on it. I want to say in the last four or five years that people have become very skeptical. Actually, I think it's been even longer than that, but people are very skeptical of Christians anymore. And I want to say in the last few years, I feel like our culture, especially here in the U.S., is becoming very hostile towards Christianity, very hostile towards it. And, and it, it, it's, it's completely understandable. I get it. I get it because they look at us, we call ourselves Christians, we go to church, we dress the part, we talk the part, but we don't act the part. We don't live out our everyday lives rich in good deeds like the Bible tells us to do. We spend our time living out a life that is self-centered and selfish, inwardly focused, not outwardly focused. This is how we spend our lives. No wonder the world looks at us and wants nothing to do with us. They call us hypocrites. I don't want to go there. They're backbiting. They're liars. They're hateful. They act completely the opposite of the way that they talk. And that goes all the way from the front to all the way in the back. Brendan Manning wrote this. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. The world cannot understand why we spend all this time and invest all of this energy in looking like Christians and not behaving like one. They, they just cannot wrap their brains around it. The unbelieving world finds it unbelievable that we would come together, pretend like we love each other, and then gossip about each other the moment we walk out the door. Pretend like we love each other here on Sunday mornings, and then when somebody needs help throughout the week, we don't want to lift a finger to help them because we've got Facebooking to do, and we've got, we, we've got to go drinking with our buddies, or we've got something more important to do. The game's on. Or there's shopping to do. People are confused because our deeds don't line up with our words. So what are we to do? First Peter 2, 12 tells us this, that we should live such good lives among the pagans. Who's that? That's the unbelievers, right? It's the unbelievers. No matter what they believe, they don't believe in Christ. So that's who the pagans are. If they do not believe in Christ, they are, they are pagans. We should live such good lives among the pagans that Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may hear of your good deeds. They may hear you talk about doing good. They may see a picture of you posting on Facebook that you did good. You know, hashtag serve the world. Look at me with an orphan. No, it's not hear about it. It's see it. See it. It says, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live our lives in such a way that the pagans can't even say nothing bad about you. That the people who are not believers can look at you and say, you know what, I'm not even sure I'm down with what they believe, but look at the way they love people and they serve people. Isn't that incredible? Because our good deeds shouldn't bring a focus on ourselves. It should bring a focus and attention on God himself. And so we need to live in that way. 
where what we say and what we do line up. Our good deeds need to point to God, never to us. Now, for me, I, I speak about this not because I have to, but because this very thing, the way people live their lives, is something that impacted me so much. I'm here today. My marriage is together today. My family is all saved and following Jesus today. I am free from pornography addiction today. I am healed and free from bitterness in my heart today because I came to a church and discovered a place where people there knew God. And the people there in response to knowing him walked how they talked. They loved each other. They were forgiving. They were accepting. It was straight up biblical and it blew my mind to walk into an environment where I was jaded and hurt and said, I'm not going to serve. This is what I told the pastor, in case you don't know this, many of you do. I told the pastor there, I'm not going to serve, I'm not going to give, and the only reason I'm here is because you make me laugh and my kids need a place to go to church. Are you okay if I come to church here? And he said, yeah. They loved me right where I was at. These are people who were walking the talk. Their deeds matched their words, and it just blew my mind. Within a short amount of time, my walls were torn down. I saw things I had never seen before. I'd, I saw them love each other in a way I'd never seen any church members love each other before. And I said, I have to have that. And if that means tearing down my walls so that I can get involved in everything that they're doing so I can become like them, so I can have the relationship that they have with God, so I can have the relationship with others that they have, so that I can be full and fulfilled in the way that they're experiencing, then I want that. that was, that's my story. And I'm telling you, that's what God did for me, but he did that for me through people like you. He did that for me through people like you. Today, here in this church, there are people who will hold a child that does not belong to them. Today, there are people who will brew and pour coffee that they will not drink. There are people who have prepared this place, cleaned it, set seats out that they will not sit in. Why did they do all this? They did it to make a difference in someone else's lives. They did it so that you could have an opportunity to come here and know God. And every weekend, and I mean every weekend, people come to this church and every weekend somebody says yes to Jesus as a result of their good deeds, as a result of them serving other people. This is what happens every week here today because they more than likely saw the gospel before they ever had a chance to get into this place and hear the gospel preached to them. They saw good deeds. They were served. They were loved. From the moment they walk into this door, people feel that love. They know that, that the gospel is real here in this place, and I am thankful to be a part of a church that is like that. If you're here today, you'd say, Aaron, I'm, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of people that do that. 
that the end result is not just that I watched a kid in kids' ministry, that the end result is not that I shuffled some papers or made some copies or, or that I helped somebody get in the door and welcome them or that I poured a cup of coffee or held a door or that, that I took up the offering or even played in the band. That, 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 that's not the end result. The end result is that people say yes to Jesus. And the number one vision of this house, the first statement of the vision of this house is to reach those people that are far from God. This is God's very heartbeat, and we are after that. I'm not even following my notes anymore. I'm just telling you, I'm just lit. I'm lit. Get excited about reaching people. If you say you want to be a part of that, I'm going to encourage you to do one thing. Go to Growth Track. Second service, every Sunday, first four Sundays of the month. Go to Growth Track. Find out how you can be involved in that. Find out how you are uniquely created and gifted so that you can connect with those gifts and begin to make a difference in a way that will light you up inside and you will feel full and fulfilled as a result, go to Growth Check. God has a desire for you and he wants you to be rich in good deeds. Second way that you can be rich towards God is that he wants you to be rich in generosity. God wants you to be rich in generosity. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's what Proverbs 11.25 says. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So when you look to give to others, and when you look to meet their needs, whatever it is that you are giving out will come back to you according to this verse. Now, it may not come back to you dollar for dollar in the way that you give out, but that refreshment, that measure of refreshment that you give out, the Bible says in the way that you give out is the same way it will be met to you. That's the way it will be given to you. It'll come back. Now, earlier this year, we talked about being a church that will lead the way with irrational generosity because we believe it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It was one of the first messages we did throughout the, in the beginning of this year. We decided as a church we were going to be generous. And I, I just want to share with you some of this generosity as we kind of wrap up our year, as this comes down to one of the last services of the year. You, you may not know this because you, we don't have, I, I've, I've not posted it on our website, but I, I'll just share this with you. This year alone, this church has given away over $20,000. Over $20,000 to the community. Yeah, no, that's awesome. To the community, to missions. To, to building a roof on a place, and actually the roof in the second, second story floor of a, of a, of a community center in, um, uh, in El Salvador. Uh, like, we are doing incredible things. You guys have been incredibly generous and have blown me away with your generosity. This past week, we had One Child Matters here. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to share some numbers here, but not to, to brag on us, but to brag on God and the work he's done in our hearts and your generosity, but... They were here last week, and, and we adopted 15 kids. We sponsored 15 kids last week, last Sunday. And, and I, I was talking to Curtis afterwards, and I said, how did we do? Like, what, you know, comparatively to other churches, would you, he said, well, typically, he said, 10% of the kids that I bring get adopted. He said, this church adopted 20% of the kids that I brought. So I just want to tell you, right above, way above that standard, man, I just love it. I love it. I love being part of a church that's doing that. I have more of those packets, by the way, and you can get on that website and adopt kids. But that was what we did just on Sunday. I have no idea what happened this past week, 
And I don't know if you decide to go on the mission trip if you're going to sponsor a kid. We'll add to that. But it's incredible. And then this past week, we, we would, we've been doing a toy drive. And we, did, we did turkey drives. We did all kinds of things this year. But just, just here in the last couple weeks, we did a toy drive from the 4th to the 14th. And they came in on Friday morning and gathered up all those toys. And we had so many that it took two van loads to get it down to the Salvation Army. You guys were so generous. And I just want to say thank you so much for being being so willing to give of yourself, to give of your time, to go get those presents and to bring them, to pay for them. It was such a wonderful, wonderful gesture of generosity. But we do this because we get it. We need to make sure that we get it. And in the coming year, I know that we're going to get it even more. I know that this is just the beginning for us. I know 20000 seems like a lot of money, but wait until it's 50000 Wait until it's 100000 Wait until, as a church, we give away a million dollars. Come on, somebody. Look, I'm just getting excited up in here. I'm just telling you. Look, I told God when I started this church, I said, you know what I would love to do? I would love to build a community center here in Reynoldsburg and hand the keys of it to the city and say, there you go. We just want to be a blessing to you. Oh, and by the way, we get rights to that room on Sunday morning. I'm just saying, that's where we have a church. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, I believe that as a church, we can do that. I believe that we can do that. I can't wait. I cannot wait until I get to stand here and say we gave away a million dollars. I don't even know what number to say after that that would be more exciting than a million dollars. How many of y'all would like to say we gave away a million dollars in a year, right? Come on, somebody. Man. Y'all need to start playing the lottery or something. I'm not sure how we... <laughs> <laughs> we need to be a church that knows that it is better to give than it is to receive. And because we have more, we will give more. This needs to be us. It already is, but it needs to be us even more so as we move forward. God wants us rich in good deeds, and he wants us rich in generosity in the way that we give. The third thing God wants for you to do is to be rich in relationships. And this is the one I haven't covered at all through this series, but I, I want you to know that, that if you want to be rich towards God, this is the last way that you can be rich. It's rich in relationships. If you are simply rich in money, then you are missing out on what matters most to the heart of God. Jesus said this in John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So in other words, Jesus is saying, the way that I've loved you, we need to stop right there. See, we think when we hear this word love, that we understand it. Right? That we understand that it means, oh, I love you. Come here, let me hug you. Let me get the door for you. Dinner's on me. I love you. <sighs> Lord, it's love you, bro. Fist bump. It's not what it is. See, Jesus said, I want you to love each other the way that I loved you. So we need to explore that for just a second. How did Jesus love you? There's one word that summarizes it, and multiple that I will use. I think the greatest word is sacrificially. This is the way he loved you. See, Jesus, even from the moment that he stepped onto this planet as a baby, which is what we celebrate around this time of year, was living sacrificially. See, I don't know about you, but I know there's a day coming when I'm going to leave this earth, and where I'm going after this is a place called heaven, where Chipotle will be delivered to my door every day. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I believe it'll happen. 
There will be some naked angel, and he will deliver Chipotle to me, and I will enjoy it. I will love it. Little baby naked angel, so that it's innocent. That's where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'll be with Jesus, man. I'll be with Jesus in a place that the Bible has difficulty describing because words are so limiting. That's where we're going. That's where you and I get to go as Christ followers when we leave this earth. See, Jesus, though, he was already there. Jesus was already there with the Father. Enjoying all of its splendor, enjoying all of its beauty, enjoying all of its comfort, and it's <laughs> beautiful. And Jesus, who is enthroned and enthroned, king, you understand. Sacrifice. Humbles himself and becomes like you and I and becomes a mere man. Steps out of glory. Steps away from his rights and his privileges as Lord and King and suffers like you and I. As a man, he would have experienced loss and pain and hurt. Somebody said, how, did, how do you know he experienced loss? Well, let me ask you a question. When Jesus was dying on the cross, where was his father, Joseph? Where was his earthly father? It's odd that he's not mentioned, isn't it? Had he abandoned Jesus at a younger age because he could not handle the ridicule of having a child before he was married? We don't know. Did he simply want nothing to do with his son's ministry? Or had he passed on? We don't know. But we know there's no mention of Jesus. We know that he suffered loss. He experienced temptation. He experienced the brutality of being whipped and beaten and publicly humiliated. And he did that willingly. He did all of this sacrificially. Doesn't seem fair enough of a word to use when we describe what Jesus did for us and the way that he loved us. And Jesus says in this verse, I love one another as I have loved you sacrificially unconditionally you must love one another that's tough that's tough and he says by this which is where I'm going he says by this when you love one another the way he's loved you everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another this is no easy task this is why we have to be rich in relationships. This is why we have to be in relationship with one another, be around one another, because you can't love one another when you spend so much time by yourself, when you isolate yourself from other people, when you refuse to be a part of groups, when you decline invitations to fellowship with other believers, whether that's on a Sunday morning or throughout the week in a grow group, when you decline... You miss the opportunity to do the one thing Jesus said would identify you as one of his followers, and that is to love one another. We have to be rich in relationships. And here at Simple Church, we, we believe this, man. We want to be intentional about this because we want people to know that we are God's kids and that we follow Jesus. And so we, we say, look, you need to understand something. You're not gonna, the people aren't going to know that you're a Christ follower by your WWJD bracelet 
or your simple church sticker on the back of your, your minivan as you cruise down Main Street. It is not your Christian t-shirt or your cross necklace. It's not how big your Bible is. It's not that you went to church today or not that you reposted an inspirational scripture on your Facebook this morning. No, it's not the Christian concert that you went to, and it's not because you listened to Christian radio that people will identify you as one of his followers. It is the way that you love one another. So we have to be in relationship with each other. If you love one another, this is how everyone will know. And so I know we talk about grow groups a lot here. And I know that you say, Aaron, why are you talking about grow groups? Because right now the season's closed. There's no more grow groups right now. You can't even get into a new grow group if you wanted to. Why are you talking about this? Just to, just to get me all excited about something I can't participate in? Yes, absolutely. That's why I'm talking about it. Because <laughs> here's the deal. We go in rhythms here, right? We go in rhythms here. We don't do any grow groups during December. We don't do them during January because we're doing our praying and fasting, and then we start up again in February. There's a new season coming. This is why I'm talking about it now. And I want you to begin thinking about it. I want you to begin planning which group you're going to get involved in, which group you're going to be a part of, not if you're going to be a part of a group, which one you're going to be a part of, and furthermore, which group you're going to start, which one you're going to lead. Because let me tell you, we declined people this last season. We said, no, you, we, we can't actually let you into this group. It's full. And we had people go without a group because we didn't have enough leaders. He said, well, I don't have enough experience. I don't really know what that looks like. Go to growth track. Go to leader training. We'll teach you how to do it. Every Sunday in January, right, Tim? You're going to teach everybody how to do that, right? First service. Boom. There it is. I'm going to take away every single one of your excuses one by one so that you have an opportunity to be involved in a grow group. Because in a grow group, you have the opportunity to live out life with one another. If you're not familiar with what they are, they're small groups of people that meet once a week or once a month. They gather around activities, around Bible studies or books that they're reading, whatever it is that they, that they like. They pray for one another. They encourage one another. They're blessings to each other. They love one another in sacrificial ways. Let me tell you something. In my own grow group, here's what we've done. We've been there as babies have been born into this world. We've been there as people have been sick. We've been there as people have left this world to love them through a difficult time of losing a loved one. We've been there with them as they've moved. We have been the ones to move them again and again and, dear God, again. <laughs> we have been there through job transitions. We've been there in difficult times with finances. I have personally seen miracles of people be healed. Just a couple weeks ago, somebody's, somebody had a brand new baby. Baby had 101 fever, and it was on the, the billy lights because it had um, um, that word, jaundice. They called me and said, Aaron, we don't know what to do. They just took our child away from us. Got a 101 degree temperature. I said, we're going to pray. This is just my grow group. It was just happened. I said, we're going to pray. And we prayed right then. They said, within 10 minutes, the doctor came back in the room and said, we don't know what happened, but the temperature is gone. He stabilized. And we just took him off the lights because he doesn't need to be on the lights. Look, this is stuff that I have seen. And you don't get an opportunity to see this kind of stuff unless you get into a group. These are people that were just in our Christian Essentials group. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen attitudes corrected. People get on track financially. Why? Because they learn to love one another and serve one another. They learn how to follow Jesus better when they're together. We have to be rich in our relationships. We have to so that we can love one another. And as a church, we need to be intentional. Intentional is the word about being rich in our relationships. Get into a group. 
I'm going to tell you something. I did the math this morning. I'm going to tell you something about yourself, okay? We got about 150 people who come here regularly on a Sunday morning over our two services. Probably, if we ask, about 200 people that call this place church home. Less than half of you are in a group. I did the math this morning. I went through this last season. Now, there may be a good reason for you to be out of a group. I'm not judging you. I understand that sometimes you need a break. I understand that, that difficult things come, difficult trials come in your life. Maybe you just came in at the end of this season, or maybe you just came in at the beginning or, or, and didn't know. I, I get that. I'm, there's grace for that. But less than half of you are in a group. Less than half of you are taking advantage of the greatest opportunity that you have to intentionally do what the Bible tells you to do and be rich in relationships by loving one another. You're missing out on that opportunity. So we need to be rich in good deeds. We need to be rich in generosity. And we need to be rich in our relationships because this is how we become rich in what matters most which is being rich towards God. And look, I'm telling you, I stand here today as a product, as a product of exactly what I've described to you. My life has been transformed. My life has been changed. And do you know how I am so thankful to describe my life on a regular basis? As full and fulfilled. Because of what Jesus did for me through people like you. The beautiful thing is, is that you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to do the same for the next person who walks in the door. You have the opportunity to do the same for the person that is sitting next to you. Because see, the greatest gift to you, and you don't even realize it yet, is probably sitting in the row next to you somewhere, and you don't even know it. You probably don't even know it. But you will. You will when you are rich and what matters most. So let me give these final comments and we'll wrap up this series. Since we're already rich, we will stop longing for the things of this world and focus on living for the things of God. Then we'll have that life that is truly life. And instead of being rich towards ourselves, we'll be rich towards God. Why? Say it with me and put my statement up here on the screen for me. Because God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. And I'm going to add this little tagline, to the glory of God. To the glory of God. That is how you are rich. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the way that I know that it has permeated my life. I thank you because these three things have been transformational to me, to my family. I stand here today a married man because of how this played out in my life. And I'm thankful for everything you've given me, God. I pray today, Lord, that we would be not just hearers of your word today, Lord, that we would be doers of your word, that we would hear this opportunity. Just in hearing how it's transformed my life, as I stand here, a man who has been changed. Lord, that we would hear the opportunity to do the same for others. And in so doing, glorify you. 
Church, if you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, I, I want to be rich in good deeds. I, I need to learn to live a life that is outside of myself. I need to become willing to serve, willing to commit to discovering how God's uniquely created me to make a difference in people's lives. Maybe that's you, or maybe, maybe you say, Aaron, I'm, I'm here today and I need, to, I need to become rich in generosity. You know, that's a prayer I, pr I have prayed and continue to pray. Because you're not just automatically generous. Praying and asking God to help you become generous is important. And if you're here today and you'd say, I need God to move on my heart, to grant me the faith that it is going to require to trust in God and not money, to love Him and not riches. Maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray today. Or maybe, maybe you're here and, and you'd say, Aaron, I'm, I'm not rich in relationships. I am so far removed from people. Maybe, maybe you're that way because of, of past offenses. Maybe somebody has hurt you. Maybe it's been a church. Maybe it's an individual. Maybe it's been a group of people. I don't know. Maybe it was your high school experience or a spouse or a dating relationship that went sour and you have just decided, I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again. And so your walls are up. You've decided, I'm not going to get into relationship with anybody. I'll never let them get close enough to hurt me again. But today I need to discard these previous hurts. I want to be open to intimacy, though I feel afraid. But maybe that's not you. Maybe your schedule's just too full. And you need help for God to help you see how to make being in relationship with others a priority in your life so that you can make space in your calendar so you make space in your life and you can commit to loving one another if that's you i i, I just want to know who i'm praying for today with every head bowed and every eye closed you say aaron that's that's me i'm one of those three kind of people would you say that's me would you shoot your hand up and say that's me yeah that's a lot of us father i thank you for this honesty in this place lord i pray that you would Help us know and experience the real life that you promised us through Jesus. I pray, God, that you would give us all that we need so that we can be rich in what matters most, and that is being rich towards you, God. As we continue to pray, there are others of you in this room that I have to tell you that in and of yourself, you cannot be rich towards God. Being rich in the way I've described today starts with God and then comes as a response to receiving His love. But if you don't have that pivotal relationship, that fundamental relationship sorted out, you can't do the rest of them. You can't experience the life that is full and real without starting with a relationship with God first. And we do that through a relationship with God through his son Jesus and you're here today and you'd say Aaron I've been looking for this real life I've looked for it in in money I've looked for it in relationships I've looked for it in the bottom of a bottle I've looked for it in drugs I've looked for it in sex I've looked for it in my careers in my accomplishments and I am still empty what you are missing is Jesus the reason that you and I could Never be rich towards God on our own is because our sin is horribly offensive to a very holy God. If you don't understand what sin is, sin is just us doing things our ways. 
missing out on his best for us by doing things our ways. When we sin, you know, we make a mess of our relationships. We make a mess of our attitudes. We make a mess of things by the words that we say, the actions that we do. And as a result, we make a mess of our opportunities. And God says, look, I want you to find freedom from that. I want you to find a new way to be. And you find that new way to be through his son Jesus. Today, if you want a new way to be, that means forgiveness. That means eternity in heaven on the other side of this life. That means being transformed and made brand new. If you want that today, I'm going to pray a prayer that will introduce you to Jesus and induct you into this spiritual family. And if that's you and you want that, every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. If that's what you want, would you just slip up your hand and say, Aaron, that's me. Pray for me today. If you're listening to my podcast today, watching my Periscope, I want you to know that if you'll join us in this prayer right now, that people, God will meet you right where you're at. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to this earth. You lived a perfect and sinless life. That you died on that cross and rose from the dead in three days. That when you did all that, you gave the greatest expression of love ever. Jesus, you did all that so that I could have a new life. So I ask you for that new life as I give you mine. Show me how to follow you every day, and I'll do it. Be Lord of my life now, Jesus. Amen. Well, the Bible says if you prayed that prayer that all of heaven is having a celebration over one person who repents, that means turns away from the way they were work, walking and turns to follow God. If you made that commitment today, the angels are rejoicing. And as a church, we're going to rejoice as well. Come on, church, give God a round of applause. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our hearts and our lives today, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.